Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Take your Bible and let's go to Genesis chapter 18, if you will. The book of Genesis and the 18th chapter. We'll read a few verses at the beginning of the chapter to kind of refresh our mind as to this particular account. I think for some of us it will be familiar, but uh, others may be hearing it for the first time. So Genesis chapter 18 and uh, looking at verse number one. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and looked three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and bowed himself toward the ground, and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do, as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? I'm glad that we have a God who is bigger than any problem we face, aren't you? I'm glad that God has more resources than we do. I'm glad that God is always available to hear and answer our prayers. I'm glad that He is stronger than any opposition that may come into our path. He's greater than any deficit that we might face in our life. Now, God's ways are not always our ways. Uh, Sometimes uh, God's thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. And we can't always see exactly how God is working or what He is doing. But I'm thankful that we have the confidence that His provision is always enough. I'm glad that we know that His power is beyond any rival that we might face. I'm glad His protection is there from all of the enemies that might come against us. His presence is always there in every situation. But do we trust Him? Do we trust Him? We we know all these things. We know that God is powerful. We know that God has provisions way beyond our own. We we know that God's presence is is promised to us. We, We know that God will protect us. And yet, oftentimes, we find humanly that we fail to trust. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. 
In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The psalmist said it is better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in princes. It's better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in men. Isaiah said thou wilt keep men perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Oh, how good! is thy greatness which thou hast laid up for them that trust thee. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made safe. As we think about this story of Abraham and Sarah in their old age, I want you to see three phases that take them from a miserable melancholy to a miraculous and marvelous miracle. Notice, first of all, a promise doubted. Now, God had told Abraham many years before chapter 18 that he and Sarah would have a son. It was part of what we might call the Abrahamic covenant. It was a promise that God had made to Abraham that through his seed, he would raise up a nation. In fact, go back to Genesis chapter 15, if you will, a few chapters earlier, and we see this covenant that God had made with Abraham. In verse number 1 of chapter 15, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. You remember Abraham and Sarah, they, they had heard the promise of God. God had said, You're going to be the father of many nations. In fact, Abram's name means father of many. Abraham which his name was changed to later, means father of multitudes. And yet Abraham and Sarah were barren. And so Abraham and Sarah got impatient with that promise, didn't they? And, and Sarah suggested that Abraham take her handmaid, Hagar, and, and produce a son through Hagar. And Ishmael had been born. And, and Abraham said, God, you didn't come through with your promise, so we do have Ishmael, maybe you can bless him. And God said, well, I'm going to bless him, but... He's not the promised seed. He's not the son of promise. He's, he's not the one that I'm going to bring the nation, my people, through. And so he's reminding Abraham here, no, you're going to have a son of your own bowels. In fact, he repeats it in Genesis chapter 17. If you want to go there, just a page over. It says in chapter 17, in verse 1, when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect, and I'll make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And as for me, and Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I'll make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I'll make 
nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And so God is repeating this promise. He's saying, Abraham, you got to trust me. I know you're 99 years old. I know Sarah's 90. I know you're past the age of bearing children, but you, you don't understand. I can keep my promise. You've got to trust me. But Abraham and Sarah now, as we come to chapter 18, and this angel appears and says, you're going to have a son, Abraham and Sarah laugh. And they're thinking, we've been here before, right? And, and, and it hasn't happened yet. And now, you know, Abraham's nearly 100 years old. Sarah is 90. Biologically, it was impossible for them to have a child. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the man of women. And so they're laughing at this promise. A promise doubted. Are you doubting any of God's promises tonight? It's amazing how people even doubt the promise of salvation. God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, uh, as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And yet people say, it can't be that easy, <laughs> right? It's, it's got to be harder than that. You, surely you have to join a church or something. You, you have to get baptized maybe, or you have to give some money to the church, or uh, you have to be kind to your neighbor and never do anything out of anger. Or, you know, they, they, they have all these reasons why they would doubt God's salvation. And they think, it, it can't be that simple. It, it can't be that easy. It's got to be more complicated than that. And we doubt the promise of salvation. Sometimes we doubt the promise of God's security. We, we get saved, but then the devil kind of works on us, and we wonder, well, am I still saved? I mean, I... I'm not perfect, and I, I did some wrong things, and I thought some wrong thoughts, and, 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 and maybe I'm not saved anymore. Maybe I'm not going to heaven. Maybe, maybe God's going to reject me. Aren't you glad that the promise of God says, I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand? The Father that gave them me is greater than all, and no man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He said in John 6 and verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You don't need to doubt your security in Christ. Sometimes we, we doubt his protection. We wonder, Lord, it's getting kind of dangerous out there. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get so scared and I, I have all these fears and, and I don't know if I can really live by faith in a day like today. Aren't you glad that God says in Psalm 46 that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble? And we live in some troublesome times. We live in some agitated times. We live in some days where, where, where we can be frightened by what we hear on the news or what we see around us. And yet God has promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Sometimes we doubt God's supply. 
we think, God, um, have you heard of inflation? <laughs> you know, we kind of wonder, boy, God, you know, things are getting a little tight down here. And, 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 and I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. And, and, and I know you want me to tithe. And I know you want me to give to missions. And, and I know that we need a new building and all these things. But Lord, I got to eat. I got to drive to work and, and, and gas prices. And, and, and I can't even fry an egg anymore. It's too expensive, you know. And, and we wonder, Lord, uh, what am I going to do? I'm so thankful that Philippians 4 verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I am really thankful that God didn't say that he would supply our needs out of his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Because if God were to take something out of his riches and give to us, it would indicate that there are less riches left, right? If, if, if Brother Richard came up to me after the service and he said, Brother Getch, um, I don't have any gas in my car and I'd like to go home tonight. Could you loan me $20? Could, 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 you, could you give me $20? I said, oh, Brother Kim, let me look. Oh, sure enough, I, I've, got, I've got two 20s. I'll tell you what, I'd be glad to give you a 20. Well, if I give Brother Richard a 20, I have 20 less <laughs> over here, right? In other words, if I provide his need out of my riches, I have less than I had before. But that's not what Philippians 4.19 says. It says, I will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God doesn't take out of any resource that he has to meet our needs. He meets our needs according to his riches. He's not going to run out of anything. And my friend, he can take care of you. David said, I've been young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. You see, we can trust him. We can trust him. He has proven himself over and over and over throughout the centuries that he is going to be faithful. All the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? In fact, Hebrews 6.18 says it's impossible for God to lie. I'm glad his promises are sure. So we see here a promise doubted. But then we see God with a power declared. In, in verse 13, Sarah and Abraham, they laugh in verse 12. But look at verse 13. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? A power declared. God understands that we're human beings. God understands that we're made out of the dust. God understands that we're frail. And sometimes our thinking becomes weak. And sometimes our courage isn't what it ought to be. And sometimes our faith wavers and our, our love grows cold. But God reaffirms here his power in Abraham and Sarah's life. He says, listen, you don't need to doubt my promise because I have power behind that promise. With men, things may be impossible, but not with God. 
For with God, all things are possible. I don't know what's on your prayer list. We have a young man in our college. His name is Antonio. Antonio's from the heart of New York City. Antonio came to West Coast last year, and uh, he's a pretty rough character. He has tattoos over his entire body, except for his head and his hands from his shirt down. He is just tatted everywhere in his body. He got saved about six months before he came to West Coast. He started going to church, and his pastor one day said, Antonio, you need to go to Bible college. And he said, where is one? And he said, in California. He said, okay. And he came. Now, Antonio is an Orthodox Jew. His parents are Orthodox Jews. So when Antonio got saved, he stepped out of a very strict religious background. A rough life, a lot of sin, but God saved him. You know what? God did an amazing work in Antonio's life last year, and he went home this summer and got to go to, back to New York City, and, and all summer long, he went from door to door and witnessed to Jewish people. And he met a Jewish rabbi, and he began to witness to him. And Antonio's in my first hour of Baptist history class on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and this, this morning when I said, does anybody have a prayer request? Antonio raised his hand. He said, Brother Gatch, I mean, with tears in his eyes. And Antonio's a big, tough-looking guy. He said, with tears in his eyes. He said, could you please have the, the students here at West Coast pray for Rabbi Chakov? He said, I've been witnessing to him, and ever since I came back a week ago, I've been calling him and trying to give him the gospel. And last night, I was reading verses to him and trying to show him that Christ wanted to save him, and he finally said, Antonio, I don't ever want to talk to you again. He said, I, if you say I'm going to hell, then I'm going to hell. And I mean, just closed the conversation. And Antonio was heartbroken this morning after first hour. Well, he came up after class, and he said, Brother Gatch, would you mind mentioning my prayer request in chapel this morning? And so I did. I told the student body, about this rabbi. And uh, we prayed in chapel this morning that God would do a work in his heart. On my way here tonight, I got a text from Antonio. He said, the rabbi called me <laughs> this afternoon and he wants to talk some more. You know what? Sometimes we get in a place where we begin to doubt. We think, God, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do what you're asking me to do. I, I, I want to be used by you, but Lord, you, you, you close this door and, and this doesn't seem to be right. And, and Lord, I, I'm not sure I can trust you. But you know what? God says, it's okay. I've got power and I can work if you'll just let me. You know, we need to pray that God will do some impossible things. We prayed in chapel this morning that this semester we would see that rabbi come to know Christ as Savior. Now, that's a hard thing to pray. That, 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 that's going to be a miracle if God does that. But God is a God of miracles. Jeremiah said in chapter 32 and verse 17, Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and by thy stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. 
God can do even the impossible. And we need to ask God for some hard things. We need to ask God for some miracles, those things that only God can do. You need some miracles here at Bible Baptist Church. You have some folks that you're praying for that need to be saved, and it's going to take a miracle for God to open their heart to the gospel. Uh, you need some things with respect to your building, and God's got to do a miracle. Uh, uh, you, you've got some things maybe in your personal life, a health need or a, a financial crisis, and, and God has to do a miracle, and we can pray those impossible prayers. We can pray for those hard things. You remember when Elijah asked Elisha, what is it that, I will that, that you want me to do for you? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And you remember what Elijah said? Thou hast asked a hard thing. But if you'll see me when I be taken from thee, it shall be so. And do you know that Elisha did exactly twice as many miracles in his ministry as Elijah did? That's amazing, isn't it? He said, I want a double portion. Now, when Elisha died, he didn't think he quite made it because he was one short of a double. He was one short of twice as many. You might recall they buried Elisha. And a short time later, they were walking along there, and this, this, this young man had died. And they were taking him to bury him. And somebody got this brilliant idea, why don't we bury him in the same grave as Elisha? <laughs> I don't know what would have come across their mind to suggest that. But they dug up the grave, and they took that little boy, and they put him down in that grave. And as soon as that dead body hit the bones of Elisha, that little boy came back to life. And that was the double, the one that made it double, a portion of God's Spirit. God has power to do the impossible. We can have revival in America. We can see people saved. We can see answers to prayer with our health. We can see God do some miracles and open up a building for our church to meet in. We can see God do some things because he says, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God can do above what we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So we see a promise doubted. We see a power declared. And then I love this. We see a provision delivered. Now in chapter 18, Abraham and Sarah, they're doubting. They're not sure. And God is trying to reinforce his covenant. He's reinforcing his promise. So go to chapter 21. And let's see if God comes through or not. Chapter 21 and verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. God came through. Abraham's 100 years old, 99 years old. His wife is 90. And they're having a bridal shower. <laughs> you know, they're going to Toys R Us to buy some toys. They're decorating the nursery and the tent, you know. They got to get ready for this baby. What an amazing thing that God proves himself true to his word. He, a, 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 a provision delivered. And Isaac is miraculously born. 
Now we read on in Genesis and Isaac grows up. And when Isaac reaches age 40, Sarah dies. So do a little math. Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. So when Sarah dies, then if Isaac is 40, she'd be 130 when she died. Abraham would be 139 when his wife dies. So Sarah dies, and it's a very sad moment, especially in the heart of Isaac. The Bible tells us there in chapter 23 that as Sarah passes, Isaac takes it the hardest. He's emotionally distraught. His mother is gone. And there's a hole in his heart, as there is when we lose a loved one. And, 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 and Isaac is, is obviously close to his mom and dad. And when his mother passes, there's this, there's this hurt in his heart. And Abraham noticed it. And Abraham said, you know what? I know what Isaac needs. He needs a wife. Now, you think Isaac would have figured that out by the time he was 40, but apparently he hadn't. And so Abraham says to his servant, go find Isaac a wife. And chapter 24 is a wonderful, beautiful story. It's a love story. Now, if you're not married tonight, be patient. Genesis 24 is one of the longest chapters in the Old Testament, 67 verses. But it's a beautiful story. And the servant goes, and you may recall the story, how he's trusting God to bring the right one to him, to take back to Isaac. And sure enough, God answers his prayer just as he prays it. And he finds Rebekah, and he brings her back to Isaac. And it's love at first sight. And they're joined together. And the last verse of chapter 24, they go in unto the tent, and the marriage is consummated. And the last phrase in chapter 24 is that Isaac's heart is comforted upon the death of his mother. Okay? What a beautiful story. So, then we turn the page to chapter 25. You want to look at it? Chapter 25 after this beautiful story. Verse 1. Then again Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And they have six more kids. He's 139. And he's getting remarried. And they have six more children. And they weren't sextuplets. It takes a while to have six kids. You know, you only have one every nine months, right? I mean, at 99, they're saying, God, this is impossible. This is ridiculous. God, quit joking around. We can't have children. We're too old. God says, watch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do way more than you can ask or think. You're going to have a son because I promised it. And when God says, I'm going to keep my promise, he doesn't put a period there. He puts an exclamation point. He says, you stand back and watch what I can do. God can do so much more than we can expect, than we can ask, than we can think. So why don't we trust him? Why do we hesitate? Why, when we hear the gospel, do we say, well, I don't know if God really wants to save me or not. Listen, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you don't have to hesitate about that promise. You can claim that promise tonight and be wonderfully saved. Amen. 
Christian friend, when God says, I'm going to provide your needs, you can step by faith. When God says, I'm going to protect you, you can live by faith and trust him. I got some bad news last Wednesday night. I, w- I was preaching a revival there at Lancaster. And, and uh, we have a conference coming up over in Manila. And, uh, and, and, and uh, we're taking about 40 students over there for that conference as, on a missions trip. And, and uh, I had kind of stepped away from the process of it uh, because I'm not going to be there, uh, be able to be there the whole conference. And so a couple of uh, the staff men, they began to work on this and, and uh, some students began to sign up and pay some money and all that kind of thing. And, and over the Christmas break, we ordered the tickets, you know, and it's quite a process to take 40 young people over there and make sure they're all on the same plane and they get where they're needing to go. And so it was all set. And Wednesday night after the revival, I was told, Brother Gadge, we have a little problem. We didn't want to tell you during the revival but we got to tell you tonight, we, we put the wrong return date on the ticket. And right now, we're coming back before the conference is over. I said, really? That's not good. Pastor Chapel's preaching the last service. we got to be there for it. we got to be there for the culmination of it. I mean, some of these young people are, are, are involved with music and orchestra and serving in many ways, and it's all set up. And I said, well, we got to fix this. Well, we went to work Wednesday night, began to call the airlines and all that kind of thing, and most of the night, those guys labored on that. We worked on that. Trying to push that return date back a day. We're willing to pay a penalty if we needed to, you know. I mean, can we move back a day? And we called all the airlines, called all the flights. And there was not one seat on any plane coming back on Friday instead of Thursday. Not one seat. The next seats available were on Sunday. And there were only five of them. Well, we went home. And Thursday morning, I said, Lord, we have a problem. And I know what we need to do. We need to stay in Manila for the end of that conference. I know that's your will. That's what these kids intend to do. And we made a mistake. We messed up. And it's our fault. But Lord, we need a miracle. We need you to open up some seats. Now, we've called all the airlines. And they said there's no seats. But Lord, you can open some seats. As of noon today, God opened up 30 seats. Amen. 31. 31 seats. Amen. But we still have nine that we're going to have to leave in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, right? But there were nine. And so when I left campus this afternoon, I said, keep calling them. Keep calling them. Listen, God's working. If God can open up 31 seats, he can open up nine more. And you know, by the time I pulled into Gardenia tonight, we got nine more seats. I'm telling you, folks, you can trust God. 
Now we got to trust him for the money to pay the penalty. But he opened those seats. I forgot to pray, Lord, open some seats with no extra cost. <laughs> I just prayed, open some seats. And he did. And you know what? He can provide the cost. I'm not even worried about it. Why? Because God keeps his promises. We can trust him. And I don't know maybe what's on your heart that's heavy tonight. Maybe as an individual. Listen, I, I stood in the lobby of Lancaster Baptist Church Tuesday night and people came by to shake hands, but one lady came and she said, Brother Gatch, they told me I have cancer today. When, those, when that kind of news comes, the devil says you can't trust him. You can't trust God. Why would he do that to you? Why would, he, why would he do something like that to you? He must not love you. He must not care about you. But the devil's wrong. He's a liar. You can trust the Lord even when the doctor says cancer. You can trust the Lord even when the airlines say there's no more seats. You can trust the Lord even when there's no property available to buy for a church. You can still trust the Lord Amen. because he keeps his promise. And you watch, he'll deliver his power. He'll provide in a way that you weren't expecting. You, you maybe didn't think it was possible. But his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And God keeps his promises. Let's bow for prayer. And while our heads are bowed, maybe you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Could I encourage you to trust that promise of salvation tonight? God has already done everything that is needed for you to be saved and go to heaven. He sent his son to die on a cross. After he died, he was buried for three days and three nights in a grave, but he rose again that third day and he conquered death so that you and I can have eternal life. And if you'll trust him as your savior, he will save you, he promises it. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as savior. Could I pray for you? I just ask the Lord to help you to take that step of faith and trust that promise of salvation. If that's you tonight, heads are bowed. Uh, as far as I know, I'm the only one looking about. But if you just slip up your hand, say, John, I don't know that I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior. And I need, to, I need to trust him tonight. Would you slip up your hand that I might pray for you? Anyone like that? I would assume that most of us on a Friday night in a Baptist church coming to a revival would know the Lord is our Savior. But I know a couple of nights ago, I was starting to wonder, can I trust the Lord? Can I give him such a big problem? Well, you know what? You can. And sometimes the problem seems overwhelming as it did to Abraham and Sarah. But whatever it is, you can trust him. You can trust him. And Christian, I just ask you tonight to say, Lord, I want to trust you with all my heart. I don't want to lean to my understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you, and I'm going to let you direct my paths. And when you get to the end of that path, it'll be a better destination than you ever thought, because God will come through. He will bless in ways that you can't imagine. Let's trust him tonight.